Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. So knowledge is power, goes the saying, but when it comes to one very important aspect of women's health, frustration, confusion, gaslighting and outright misdiagnosis can get in the way of the knowledge that helps women understand menopause. Dr. Louise Newson is one of the UK's leading experts on menopause and perimenopause. She's written the definitive book about it and has a podcast dedicated to answering questions about what it is and what can be done to reduce symptoms that can really interfere with quality of life. She's taken on the medical establishment for underfunding research into menopause and lobbied for better standards for the 1.2 billion women worldwide who are currently going through it. And Dr. Louise Newson joins me now. Hi. Thanks for inviting me. Great to chat to you. Um, where to start? One of the, one of the most interesting um, observations you make is that menopause falls in between specialties, in between areas of expertise. Could you explain that maybe as a sort of an opening gambit here? So I I think the first thing really is to think about what the menopause is and what it means. And even the medical definition, I get a bit frustrated with, if I'm honest, because if you look at the word menopause, meno is the menstrual cycle, so women's periods, pauses stop. So it's defined as a year after a woman's periods. Now, I'm a menopausal woman. I do not want to be thought about as regarding of what my periods are doing. And lots of women actually don't have periods. They might have had a hysterectomy, their womb removed, or they might use certain contraception like a marina coil. Um, and so also in medicine, I do not want to be turning away a patient and saying, come back in a year's time and then I'll help you. You want to make the diagnosis as soon as possible because you want to reduce suffering and make people healthy. Of course you do as a doctor. So some people define it as when you're not able to reproduce. And again, I think looking at whether someone's fertile or not actually can be quite insulting and it's not actually accurate because young women who are menopausal can still be fertile. So then it's always been about what the ovaries are doing. And so anything about ovaries goes to gynecologists. (laughs) But actually, for most women, it is an aging process and our ovaries don't work as well. So if they're not working as well, we don't need to see a gynecologist because the most important thing to know about the menopause, it's due to our hormone levels declining. Our hormones are chemical messengers that go in our bloodstream and affect every single cell in our body. And this is where the confusion is, Jessie, because it's every single cell in our body. So if my low hormone levels are affecting my heart, I might get palpitations and see a cardiologist. If I'm getting worsening migraines or confusion, I might see a neurologist. If I'm getting muscle or joint pains, I might see a rheumatologist. If I get bladder symptoms, I might see a urologist. And you can see quite easily how menopause care can get really fragmented 
Because if I was a heart specialist, I would only be thinking about the heart. And I might not ask the lady, are you having periods or are mm. you having muscle and joint pains? And so, uh, I mean, I'm a, I'm a family physician, I'm a GP, and we're very holistic. We will look at everything. And, and for the last 20 odd years, we've all been scared away from the evidence-based treatment, which is hormone replacement therapy. So women have been caught in the middle, really, thinking, well, there isn't any treatment, I'll battle through it. They're experiencing symptoms that they don't realize are related to their low or changing hormone levels. So often they've been misdiagnosed with other conditions or just been told all your tests are fine, it must be all in your head, which is incredibly frustrating. Yeah, um, and we'll talk about hormone replacement therapy as well, because I know that's one of the things that um, you get asked about the most and, and one of the things um, that attracts the most sort of um, enduring myths, um, or at least perhaps people mm. don't think about it the right way. We'll come back to that. What are some of the most misunderstood aspects of menopause, which after all is a process that almost all women will experience at some point in their lives? Yeah, there's a few myths. I think the important ones really are, firstly, people think it's just causes a few hot flushes and sweats, which can occur for people, but the commonest symptoms are ones affecting our brains. So memory problems, brain fog, fatigue, poor sleep, anxiety, low mood, um, reduced self, self-esteem. So the, the psychological impact shouldn't be underestimated. The other thing is people think you have to have stopped your periods to be menopausal and have symptoms, whereas a lot of women are perimenopausal. So hormones start to decline, often in a chaotic way, and that's when symptoms can start. The other thing is people think it's a midlife problem. And we know the average age of, certainly in the UK, of women who are menopausal is 51. But about one in 30 women under the age of 40 have an early menopause so there are women in their, even their teens, but 20s and 30s, who will be perimenopausal or menopausal. Um, so it's really important that women actually understand what's going on so they can go and receive help and treatment as soon as possible so they're not suffering. Did you recognise the symptoms of perimenopause when you were experiencing them yourself? Of course not. You're a menopause specialist, aren't you? <laughs> I know, and it's so embarrassing. And it, like, I was 45, so I was just starting my, my, my I was actually just before I started my menopause clinic. I knew I wanted to specialise in the menopause because I knew that it was going to be transformational. It touched on everything that I'm interested in, which is disease, helping people holistically, multi-system approach. And then I started to get these symptoms, but I thought it was because I've got three children. My youngest I had when I was 40. My husband's busy. I was having a difficult time with uh, at work and I just catastrophized. And then I thought, oh, I'm an awful person because I was shouting, I was anxious, I was not sleeping. My migraines were worse. My yoga practice was terrible because my joints were so stiff and sore. I was even waking up with night sweats. I thought I'd wet myself. I was so covered in, in this fine layer of liquid and I'm not a sweaty person. But the weird thing is I was lecturing doctors and nurses and pharmacists saying, you have to think about all the other symptoms. And that was me, but I wasn't putting the pieces together. And I think that's the problem is many women are busy. We don't, we don't look at ourselves. We're too busy with other things. So it took me a few months, but I was really close to giving up my job because I was finding it really, really hard to remember things. And when you're used to your brain working, it's really horrible. I felt like I'd almost been drugged. It was a horrible feeling. And I'm very fortunate. I only had symptoms for a few months, but I speak and hear 
from a lot of women who have symptoms for many, many years. And that's the saddest part of my job is listening to all these stories. Short question with probably a long answer. Why hasn't there been more research into menopause? Um, Maybe because it affects women. Um, I think, yes, that's a short answer. The longer answer is, in fact, there has been research, but it's been ignored. Um, We know when we're talking about um, the menopause, it's about hormones, but there are only three hormones that are associated really with with the menopause, which are estrogen, progesterone, testosterone. And we know that they're biologically active hormones that have some really important effects in our body in a positive way. So we've got really not good basic science. And then what do we do when hormones are missing? Well, we replace them with natural hormones. Um, And then it's suddenly that's where it all falls apart because everyone's scared about natural hormones. Everyone thinks the menopause is a natural process that happens when we age, which you could say it is, of course. But it's also quite natural to have raised blood pressure as you age. But we treat it to reduce the risk of a heart attack. And the other thing about menopause is it's not just about symptoms, which is what I think people have always thought about. We know the longer a woman is who's menopausal, the greater her future risk of heart disease, diabetes, osteoporosis, dementia. And that's what drives me to work so hard, thinking about population health and global health. Most women die from heart disease and dementia. We have an evidence-based treatment, just natural hormones, which reduces risk of a heart attack by about 50%. Yet worldwide, only 5% of menopausal women receive hormones. Like it doesn't make sense. So I think even when we've got evidence, it's been ignored because people have got their own agenda and it doesn't seem to be helping women in an evidence-based way. I'm talking to Dr. Louise Newson. We're talking about menopause today and um, Louise is an expert on that topic. She's written a book about it, has a podcast dedicated to answering questions about what it is and how to reduce the symptoms. So let's talk about hormone replacement uh, treatment or therapy because... A lot of people, when they hear that phrase, will suddenly think of some headlines from maybe 20 years ago, uh, Louise. Um, What were those headlines? Were they justified? And what sort of effect have they had? They had the most detrimental effect to women's health that any study has done. So HRT just means hormone replacement therapy. And actually, I don't even think that term's good because we're not replacing hormones, especially in the perimenopause, we're topping up. Um, So it's really a natural hormones that we're giving back into the dose and type that an individual needs. But when they did this study that came out in 2002, so you're right, over 20 years ago, it was using synthetic hormones. So the estrogen was derived from pregnant horses' urine, which I suppose is natural, but it's not the the same as the hormones we produce Mm -hmm. when we're as women but also a synthetic progesterone which wasn't the same as a natural progesterone we produced the study that was went to the media was saying increased risk of breast cancer it was a nail in the coffin for hrt it was a car crash for women's health because worldwide everyone stopped taking hrt because of this unfounded fear but actually what they found was this increased risk wasn't even statistically significant and it was only in women who took the synthetic progesterone not the not just the estrogen estrogen was associated with a lower risk of breast cancer they also showed that women taking hrt had a lower risk of osteoporosis and when they started it within 10 years of the menopause a lower risk of of heart disease as well but all the goodness, the benefits have been ignored and people every day still talk about the risks of breast cancer with HRT. 
When you look at the natural hormones, which we now prescribe, there's never been a study showing an increased risk of breast cancer. And actually, common sense will tell you, why would our natural hormones increase our risk of breast cancer? It just doesn't make sense. But if you look at the worst statistics for this study, then the increased risk of breast cancer is still lower than many lifestyle risks of breast cancer. For example, drinking a couple of glasses of wine a night, not exercising, or being overweight, they all increase a woman's risk of breast cancer to a small degree. So it's just putting it in context, it's really small. Um, most women who have breast cancer actually die from heart disease, not from breast cancer. So we need to look, but it's more about looking at the benefits. So we know women who take the right dose and type of HRT, they feel better because their symptoms improve and that shouldn't be underestimated. But also they have a lower risk of heart disease, osteoporosis, diabetes, dementia, clinical depression, and actually they're less likely to die at an earlier age. So the benefits are overwhelmingly more than any risks for the vast majority of women. Yet I've already said only the minority of women are receiving this treatment. So, and, and you've sort of alluded to this, but but your message is to weigh up the benefits against the um, what you view as a very, very yeah, small risk. Yeah, sure. So so absolutely. So for lots of women, there aren't any risks because we use estrogen through the skin. There's no risk of clotal stroke. Estrogen is not associated with the risk of breast cancer. The natural progesterone hasn't been shown to be associated with the risk of, of breast cancer, nor has testosterone. But for an individual woman, like with any treatment we give in medicine, we always weigh up benefits and risks. And actually for most women, and the guidelines are very clear, the majority of women benefits outweigh any risks. Yet women are still not being offered it as a first line treatment. It's actually, it seems to be, and from surveys that I've done and women I've spoken to, it's easier to be given um, antidepressants for the low mood associated with the menopause, and there's no evidence they will help with the mood, than it is to have HRT. So it's very much led by women. If women don't want hormones, that's absolutely fine, but they should know the risks of not having them, and they should know the benefits of having them, and then they can choose. But what's happening is women aren't being given a choice, and that's what really saddens me. You mentioned antidepressants then. You, you attended the uh, Asia-Pacific Conference on Women's Mental Health at the mm. end of last year in Melbourne is there a connection between mental health and menopause yes there's a big connection and we know that the um, that suicide rate increases in the in the late 40s in incidence of depression increases there's quite a lot of women out there who have their brain is very sensitive to changing hormone levels so a lot of women who've had premenstrual syndrome PMS or PMDD premenstrual dysphoric disorder they might have had postnatal depression and then they have lowering of the mood anxiety with the perimenopause and menopause and we see a lot of women here in our clinic who have very dark thoughts, very intrusive thoughts. They, 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 a lot of people are under psychiatrists, yet often the psychiatrists aren't trained to pick up the menopause. Um, so it's really, really important that we don't ignore the psychological impact and the mental health impact of the perimenopause and menopause. Is there any way for a woman to know if anxiety is caused by menopause or by something else? Yeah, it's, it's hard and that's a great question because there's no simple test. We can't go and have a blood test or a hormone test for the perimenopause because our hormones are changing all the time. 
Um, so it's usually picked up by symptoms, the same as like lots of other things in medicine. For example, if someone has migraines, we make the diagnosis from talking and getting a history from that patient. But actually, women often know because they've often had some hormonal changes, especially when they had their periods. So if they feel similar to how they did just before their periods, when hormone levels are naturally low, then they often can join the dots. So if they're given the right information, complete the symptom questionnaire that's on our free balance app and then start to think mm, is there another reason why I could have a low mood or be depressed or anxious or feel like this and often they can piece piece the jigsaw together if you like so if a woman thinks it's likely to be related to her hormones then she's probably right often when I see people in my clinic I don't know how many of their symptoms are related but I do know that HRT has more benefits than risks so we often try it for three months um, replace the missing hormones and see how the women feel. If they've been put off HRT, um, women may go looking for other products on the market, uh, regulated or not, that can help them out. And here's a term I hadn't heard before, meno washing. So marketing yeah. products to women to help some of the symptoms yeah. of menopause. What do you see when you look around the market and what's available? Do you know what? I feel really sad and frustrated. I, I almost feel a bit guilty because I know I've worked really hard to improve awareness of the menopause. And then lots of people are thinking, hey, there's 1.2 billion women. Let's try and sell them stuff. There's no evidence that a lot of these products work. And I think we have to be really careful because a lot of women are saying, oh, it's a natural supplement. Well, some things are not, even though they're natural, they're not necessarily safe for the human body. And then we have to think, what are we taking them for? Are we taking them for an individual symptom or are we taking to improve our, our future health? For example, we should all be taking vitamin D, especially in the winter months, to um, because it's a sunlight vitamin. I take vitamin D because I want to improve my bone strength as well, but I wouldn't take it instead of HRT because it's not going to help the same way. Um, and then there are some like menopause shampoos and menopause skin products. I don't know how they replace the missing hormone. And of course, it's a marketing uh, scam. So um, a lot of women are taking these products because they can't get HRT, which is really sad. Can you help arm the women listening today who want to have a conversation with their GP about hormone replacement therapy? Yeah, the most important thing is for, for women um, to be armed with information that's evidence-based. And obviously you've said my book, which has lots of references in it. Um, and they can decide, you know, women aren't stupid. We are, can decide what treatment we want. If we decide we'd like to try hormone replacement, knowing it has more benefits than risks, then it's not unreasonable to say up to your healthcare practitioner, I've read some guidelines, I've read some information. I know for me the benefits outweigh any risks. I would really like to try hormones to see if it improves my symptoms. Then it's really difficult, I think, then for a healthcare provider to say no. So go prepared. Um, you mentioned an app before. What, what's that all about? Yeah, so it's, a, it's called Balance. So on the App Store or, or, or Google, you can just put Balance um, Menopause um, app and it will come up. It's a free app that I developed three years ago. And I did it because I wish I'd done, had it when I was going mm. through the perimenopause. And people can monitor symptoms. But I've also worked as a medical writer for 25 years. So I've got a lot of evidence-based information that we constantly update, which people can then read. There's a community that people can join. Um, it's had over a million downloads from people all across the world. And um, people will find that it's very useful. You can also create a 
health report on it so people can fill out the symptoms it will bring this health report up which people can print off or email to their healthcare practitioner which can really help the consultation because the doctor or nurse or pharmacist doesn't then have to ask all the questions about symptoms they're all there ready to start the consultation with you're at the forefront of this, Louise. Are there any new treatments on the horizon for menopause, perimenopause, and the symptoms associated with them? So there is a new drug called uh, fesalinitant, which has recently come out to help um, flushes and sweats, but it, it, um, the evidence for it is quite scanty. It's only been done short term, and it will only address flushes and sweats. We don't know the long-term safety of this drug, um, and actually it won't help the other myriad of symptoms that can occur and it also won't help with future health benefits because it's not replacing missing hormones. We don't actually need new treatments, we just need women to access the treatments that are available as in the natural hormones. Uh, the other hormone that women often benefit from is testosterone and uh, lots of women are finding it really difficult to have testosterone prescribed for them as well. Um, any advice for the husbands, boyfriends, friends, people who want to support and help uh, somebody going through yeah. this? I'm not sure where to, where to start. Well, absolutely. Read my book, of course, because there is a section on there for um, not just for partners, but for children as well. My oldest daughter, Jess, has written about how vile it was living with me when I was so irritable. She was scared. She really thought, I, like I've been with my husband since I was 18, but she really thought we were going to leave each other because we I was so vile Gosh. and my husband didn't know what was going on. But actually, and he's a doctor, so that's awful as well. But if he'd known, he could have just said to me, do you think your hormones may be playing up a bit? You know, I think to say to a menopausal woman, do you think you're menopausal? can be quite um, seen in a negative way mm. because menopause has always been a butt of the jokes. But actually, if it, it, it sometimes takes someone external to say, um, but also for the partner, it could be really difficult because you see someone you love changing in front of you. You don't know why. You might internalise and think, maybe it's me, maybe I've done something. So if you know what's happening, then you can sit and talk and try and really understand what's going on. But also you can talk together to say, right, I think maybe you need some help, advice and treatment from a, from a doctor. Let's talk about options. Let me go with you. Let's I'll join you with a consultation. So that can be really helpful to have supportive, um, not just partner, but friends and family as well. Uh, Louise's book is called The Definitive Guide to the Perimenopause and Menopause. Uh, she's been my guest. If you missed the start of the conversation, you can um, find it online, listen on demand. Uh, Dr. Louise Newson, thanks very much for shining a light on this and really appreciate your time today. Oh, thank you so much for inviting me. It's been great. Tired of ads barging into your favourite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.